0: Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude and well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. All right, friends, we are back. And today, we're going to talk about the neurobiology of chronic conditions. So last episode, I had my lead practitioner, Rachel Mistrion and we talked all about long COVID and kind of gave a head nod to this idea that with long COVID or really any long haulers or chronic conditions, our immune system may be overreacting to the original infection. In other words, our brain is telling our immune system to fight, 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 even though the original infection is perhaps gone. I also mentioned that in these scenarios, limbic brain retraining can be a, an effective tool. And so we're going to unpack what all this means and how to do it on today's show. And I'm, I'm giggling to myself because I know I'm not supposed to break the fourth wall. <laughs> But I'm doing it because I am attempting to record this as a video, and gosh, is it awkward? Is it ever? I um, have been podcasting for over five years, so you would think I'd be a natural. I do so much video stuff for work, and um, this is not natural. So bear with me if you're listening. It doesn't make a lick of difference to you. If this video makes it out into the world, God love ya. Thanks for riding with me. We'll work it out eventually. And I'm also saying this because I have a lot of business owners and practitioners who listen to the show who are like, what do you do when you're afraid to try something new? I'm like, you just do it. You do it. You do it afraid. You do it scared, babe. Sometimes you just got to do it afraid. Anyway... What I ask of you before we carry on with this conversation is that you have the emotional and cognitive maturity to self-filter here. Um, Is this the appropriate conversation for you based on where you're at in your healing journey? And for some people, this conversation might feel like a healing self. It just might feel so good. It might feel so nourishing. It might feel like exactly what you need. And for others, it might feel triggering or destabilizing or even like a little gaslighty. And if that's the case, it might mean that it's not right for you right now. And that's okay. That's perfectly, perfectly fine. What we're not going to do here is steal the kickball. What we're not going to do here is say, well, this doesn't apply to me. This isn't right for me. Therefore, it shouldn't exist everybody is coming to the show at different levels of their healing journey. And it's really a goal of mine to meet people where they're at. Okay. So we want to make space for the folks who, who need this conversation. There's a lot of them out there. I've been one of them in the past. If you are dealing with a chronic ongoing issue, whether that's long COVID, long haulers, autoimmunity, or otherwise, it is... Normal to feel angry. It is normal to feel upset. It's normal to feel scared or left behind or out of sorts. Or as one of my mentors, Jessica Flanagan says, like God forgot about you. Those feelings are real. Those feelings are valid. And I am not attempting to disallow you those feelings. We're not trying to bypass those feelings. We want to sit with them. We want to feel them turning toward this type of suffering, turning toward these feelings, turning toward this discomfort is one of the most compassionate acts you can do for yourself. But what I've found is that it can be hard to recover and heal if we don't have a way to move through them and be on them. So we want to allow ourselves the compassion to turn towards them without fixating, getting hyper fixated or stuck. For true healing to happen, we have to navigate through them. And last week, I talked about long COVID, long haulers. And today, this conversation applies, but it also extends beyond just those two things. It can extend to any chronic illness. If you are new here and you're unfamiliar with my history, eight years ago, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, and I really leveraged functional medicine to to help heal my physical body. But beyond that, there was a lot of other things that I had to do with my thoughts and my beliefs. And I had to personally detach from the storyline that something is always wrong with my body. Something's always wrong with me. Something's always wrong with my health. And I had to open up my lens to seeing things a new way. And this is part of how I did that, this conversation. So my hope and my intention is that this provides... Some healing strategies that maybe have not been presented to you before, and that's helpful for you. So, with COVID, things were extremely sensationalized. I mean, for good reason. It was it was unprecedented times, right? And there was a tremendous amount of fear. There was fear about getting sick. There was fear about getting COVID. And then there was fear about getting long haulers. There was fear about getting vaccinated. There was fear about not getting vaccinated. There was fear about what this means for. The economy, what this means for humanity, a lot of fear. Episode 161 of the podcast, I talked about how fear affects the brain and the body. And that's a really good episode to go back to. Ultimately, what I discussed is how being in a perpetual fear state creates physiological shifts that do, in fact, impact the immune system, because we can either be in fear or in healing mode. Our body really doesn't do both at once. It's If we're in a fear state, we are taking the resources that could go into healing and pushing them into being in that active fight or flight response. So today is really going to unpack some concepts, one of which is neuroplasticity, which basically means that the brain is flexible and rewirable. There's also this idea of bioplasticity, which takes it even beyond the brain. It's beyond just the neuroplasticity. The nervous system is not the only system in the body that has a remarkable capacity to change. When the nervous system changes, the whole body changes. It's not just nerves. It's not just neurons. It's the immune system. It's the digestive system. It's the hormonal system, our endocrine system. And the brain and the body are never static. They are always in the process of becoming and changing. And this thought, I have it written down in a lot of different places in caps because this is a very healing thought for me as I navigated my health journey is understanding that this is not a set point. My brain is flexible, it's malleable, it it can change. My body, same deal. My health, same deal. The body's always changing. It's not static. It's not a set it and forget it. And so we want to really leverage this to our advantage. As I say, we want to use our own biology to heal. We want to use our understanding of the brain and our new understanding of the body so that we can be the architects of our own healing experience. And before we move any further into this conversation, we have to distinguish the gaslighting. It's all in your head. Nothing is wrong with you from what we're talking about here, because they're two separate things. And I've talked a lot about the medical gaslighting that many, many, many people experience where you go to your doctors, you're like dragging limbs, you've know, you got like dark circles under your eyes, hair's falling out in clumps, and you're being told, hey, your labs look normal. There's nothing wrong here. Nothing to see here. This is not that. This conversation is saying things are happening in your head. Things are happening at the level of the brain. Yes. But what what is happening at the level of the brain perpetuates real physiological symptoms. The symptoms in your body are real. I'm not telling you otherwise. I'm not saying it's made up. I'm not saying it's fake. I'm not calling you a hypochondriac. I'm saying What's happening at the level of the brain does impact and influence the physical body. But if we're taking a root cause resolution approach, which is what we do here on the show, we also have to factor in what's happening at the level of the brain. And we have to address it from that angle as well. And if you are here because you are dealing with long COVID, I just want to say go back to last episode because we address the ways to approach that from the physical body level really looking at symptom level. And so this conversation is in addition to that, right? We're not trying to bypass what's happening on the the physical body. Now, it's been my experience that a lot of the mindset work or the neural rewiring work or the limbic system retraining work can sometimes bypass what is happening at the physical body. And I think that this can be harmful. So we want to find a way where we can bridge the two, and that's why today's episode is building on top of last week's episode. So our brain is a meaning-making machine. It interprets what's going on around us. The world around us is a certain way, and then the brain interprets that to create an internal map. Whatever we see is a representation of how our minds view the world, how our minds view our health how our minds view our body. But the brain is, it's not always super accurate. It's very efficient. It's fast, man. It's fast, but it's not always super accurate. It can make mistakes. It can make misinterpretations. It can misperceive. It can misinterpret its perception of the world around us. And in doing so, that can impact our health and our well being. The brain's top dog priority is survival. It's to keep you alive. It's not necessarily well being. It's not necessarily like, hey, are they like thriving? Are they like living their best? It's like, are they alive? We're going we're to keep this MRF or alive. And We have this negativity bias in our brain. And I love the work of Dr. Rick Hansen as it relates to this. Our brain has, it's basically like very attuned to the negative. This is designed to help us survive. We have to pay attention to what's wrong. Our brain has a propensity to kind of latch on to the things that are wrong. And it's because like if we miss something positive, not really a big deal. If we miss something negative, like, yikes, that Could potentially impact our survival, right? So we're really attuned to threats to our survival, we're really attuned to the negative stuff. Rick Hansen, Dr. Rick Hansen says, the brain is like Velcro for negative experience, but Teflon for positive ones. And so in order to kind of bring ourselves back to balance, we actually have to lean into the more positive stuff. And we'll get into that in a lot more detail a little later on in today's show. But with long covid With long haulers, with chronic mystery syndromes, with chronic autoimmune type symptoms in a lot of cases, our immune system is overreacting to the original infection. So, this is the misinterpretation of the brain. The brain is just misinterpreting its inputs. There are certain factors that can contribute to chronic conditions. Genetic susceptibility is one of them. And I hate to put too much emphasis on this because. We know that our genes are not a determinant for health. I think it's less than two percent of health conditions are like absolutely genetic. It's it is epigenetics. It's the, are the lifestyle factors. It's the way that we live our life. It's the choices that we make. It's the external environment that sits on top of the genes that can kind of turn on or off gene expression. But uh, this is a factor. There are certain polymorphisms that can impact the intensity of an inflammatory response, illness severity duration of infections. Another one is acute or chronic stress. And this can be psychological stress. This can be emotional stress. This can be physical stress. Like you're running your body into the ground. Like you're up at 4 a.m. You're hitting a hard workout. You're under fueling your body. You're in a lot of stress. You're running and running and running and running. This is basically what I've been talking about for the past five and a half years. And on the podcast, I'm not going to get too much into it in this episode, but go back to other ones because I will unpack that in way more detail than you care to have. And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out one of our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. One thing I do for blood sugar support, especially around my workouts, is amino acid supplementation. I put Keon aminos in my water bottle to take to the yoga studio or the gym, and I drink it either before or after my workout, sometimes both. I also like that it enhances my recovery. I feel less sore. Leucine-enriched amino acids help to reduce soreness and aid in muscle repair. And Keon Aminos contains 40% leucine plus all nine essential amino acids. So that's kind of why it's a really good fundamental support for fitness. It's backed by over 20 years of clinical research, highest quality ingredients. There's no fillers. There's no junk. It undergoes rigorous quality testing and tastes really good save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. If you go to getkeon.com forward slash funk, that's dot com slash F-U-N-K to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. And all right, my athletes and my fitness freaks, are you getting enough electrolytes? You kind of need them. They're kind of a big deal. You lose a lot through sweat, But just don't be replacing them with any of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no fillers, no yuck. You need Element. It's not only delicious and wicked convenient, mixes in water super easily, but it also contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. You can get a free sample pack. That's eight single-serve packets for free with any Element order when you go to drinkelement.com forward slash Funk, the deal's only available through my unique link to thank you for listening to the show, dot com forward slash F-U-N-K. You can try it risk-free. All right, back to the show. So we've got the predisposing factor, genetic susceptibility. We've got acute or chronic stress, and then we have a trigger. And this could be a viral trigger like COVID. This could be a bacterial trigger or it could be some type of other trigger uh, like mold sometimes can kick this off. And so it's really the combination of these things that can create a conditioning effect. So we refer to them as chronic condition. A condition is a learned stimulus. It's a learned stimulus in response. If you think back to like Pavlov's dog style, right? So with chronic conditions... The brain is learning something new. What was previously an innocent or a neutral stimulus in the body or a neutral symptom in the body can now create ongoing immune responses with more physical symptoms. So, the original infection or trigger, again, like COVID 19, Epstein Barr virus, Lyme, mold, a chemical sensitivity, the original infection or trigger did actually create symptoms in the body. And now when those brain experiences any symptoms like that, it interprets it, well, geez, if these symptoms showed up with the original infection and those symptoms are still here, they're still kicking around, they're still scooting around my body, then it must mean that the original infection or the original trigger is still there. And so these symptoms now represent ongoing evidence to your brain that the infection is still present, and it reinforces the idea, I am unwell, and then it sets off the cascade of thoughts and beliefs, I am unwell, but it also communicates with the immune system, there's a problem here, and we need to fight. So it's actually the symptoms in the body that becomes the new stimulus. It's not the original infection that's telling the immune system, fight, fight, fight. It's the symptoms in the body. Every time you have a symptom, even if that symptom used to be neutral in your body, like a tummy ache or a, you know, like congestion or feeling tired, something that like might have happened before that you didn't really think too much of. Now when it happens, it's telling the brain, I am still sick. The infection is still here. We have to fight it off. And the learning, the conditioning seems to happen in two parts of the brain, the amygdala and the insula. And this is really designed to protect us from dangers. We've known that the amygdala was has been involved in trauma and PTSD for a long time, but now we're seeing that the amygdala is actually involved in an immune response as well. And so it's these two parts of the brain combined that can be involved in over-triggering the hyper-defense response. And then this, this hyper-defense response can go on to cause physical symptoms. So the amygdala, we've talked about it on the show before, uh, it's the fear center of the brain, is like the best, most basic way to describe it. It identifies danger. Is this incoming input relevant for our survival? Should I be afraid? Is this bad? It's designed to keep you alive, right? We need it. It's important. And it also processes emotional reactions, especially fear and anxiety. So that's kind of why I gave a head nod to fear and how fear impacts the body. Because if we're locked into fear, it's very easy for this cascade to kick off. So the amygdala also puts fear in learning together. The kind of like classic example is you touch a hot stove you burn yourself ouch chances are you're not going to touch that hot stove again it creates a response pattern to any trigger and then the insula takes in all incoming sensory data and stimulus from the body and it processes that information and it assesses the information coming in to create the appropriate autonomic response the appropriate nervous system response so it it supposed to trigger the right response in the nervous system. And then we know how intimately connected the immune system is with the nervous system. So it impacts the immune system as well. And what's interesting, there's a study done where they gave rats sweet water with an immunosuppressant. And they did this a few times over. And then they gave the rats sweet water without the immunosuppressant. And what they found was that the immune system decreased Just with the sweet water. And they found that this was happening at the level of the amygdala in the insula. Okay. So both of these are involved in our sympathetic response, our parasympathetic response, but also our immune responses. And this, like I said, is can be what's happening from a brain level down in terms of over triggering that hyper response. So we get the chronic sympathetic arousal. So that's your fight or flight response, right? This is just like kicked off, it's happening, which leads to chronic stimulation of the immune system. And with this, we can see HPA access dysfunction. I know I'm throwing out kind of a a lot of like high level terminology at you. This is kind of a high level episode, but we will link out to other episodes of this podcast that unpack some of this terminology in case you're like, what is she talking about? HPA, what? So all of this combined can create more oxidative stress in the body as well. Okay. So it's like stress on top of stress, on top of stress, on top of stress. It has this cascade of effects in the body known as symptoms. So you can see fatigue, you can see exhaustion, muscle pain. Cognition issues like brain fog, memory issues, sleep issues, uh, post-exertional malaise, IBS-type symptoms, right? Just like GI digestive wonkiness. And all of that can also contribute to the illness cycle or a different illness cycle. So we can see adrenal fatigue. We can see mitochondrial dysfunction, latent virus activation. So viruses that have been like just like scooting around your body, no big deal, in this chronic sympathetic activation, they can they can come up and be like, hey, remember me? Allergies, ongoing sensitivities, chemical sensitivities, food sensitivities. And then all of this is gonna feed back into the symptoms. So it becomes this loop. And all of the symptoms are leading back to the hyper-stimulated hypersensitive brain. The brain that's actively scanning for the wrong thing, scanning for the negative thing, continues to find it. And so the the symptoms, which again, may have been sort of nondescript, you know, non-sensationalized in your body before, now become, like now tell the brain like, yo, something's really wrong here, like really, really wrong, right? And all of this like magnification goes back up to the brain. So the brain recognizes this as the conditioned or learned stimulus. And it tells the brain like we're in a danger zone. Like we're in it. Um, I'm laughing because have you guys seen Glennon Doyle? A highway to the danger zone. She thought the lyrics were, I went to the danger zone. And now every single time I think about that song, I like laugh because it's it actually sounds like it. It's so funny. Anyway, moving on. So the brain is like, alert, 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 danger zone. We're still in the middle of a infection here, people. Like, let's go. We have to re-stimulate the entire immune cascade. And then what happens when you re-stimulate the entire immune cascade? It creates symptoms. Those symptoms double back to the brain. And then you spin me right around, baby, right round. It's like, it's a loop it is a loop de loop. And so what's happening here is that a hypersensitive brain is responding to a previous previously neutral stimulus. And it's responding by being like battle ready, by telling the immune system we got to fight this thing. And so we know what happens if you're constantly on high alert, you're constantly battle ready. You're constantly on the defense. The immune system is continuing to overstimulate itself unnecessarily. It uses up a lot of the body's resources. We can see pretty dramatic immune dysregulation if this keeps happening over and over and over again. And since all of those resources are being prioritized for defense instead of ongoing well-being or healing in repair, this is creating more downstream symptoms and side effects. This is a pretty big conversation and there's a lot of emerging research. There's a lot of theories around this. So I'm presenting it in the best way possible, trying to present it in the most streamlined way possible, but trust that I've got a lot more where this came from. And so if this is something that people are interested in, I am more than happy to like unpack this in a lot more detail. Instead of spending more time kind of explaining what's going on, I'm going to transition into what do we do? If you're like, oh my gosh, this, I think it's me, it me, then what do we do about it? So there's really three main phases or three main areas of focus in order to retrain the brain away from this loop. Okay. And again, about we're not talking about a body up approach. We did that last episode. We're talking about a brain down approach for this. You have to kind of discern where do you need help and which one is most appropriate for you. They can be done together, by the way. So the first thing is we have to start with nervous system down regulation, right? That's why I have an entire, this stuff is a big deal. It's a big deal. We have to find a way to switch our body out of this active sympathetic fight or flight high activation response into a more parasympathetic response. This is usually a practice and we have to practice it for it to work. That's why I have an entire program dedicated to this. It's called Your Hormone Revival. And we start pretty darn soon. And I was going to save this for the end, but I'm going to make the announcement now. I haven't announced it anywhere else, so you're getting the first scoops. This will be the last live Your Hormone Revival program that we run. I'll get into the whys in a future episode, but uh, it's not because people are not getting results. And it is certainly not because people aren't signing up for it. We have sold out every single round since its inception. It's just time to do some other things. So this is the last live round we'll run. So if you want to join, I'd strongly recommend it. You can go to thefunctionalnutritionist.com forward slash YHR. And so with this program, we build in a tremendous amount of nervous system support because yes, we're focused on hormone balance in this program, but in order for our hormones to be balanced, hey, guess what? We have to swim upstream and talk to the brain and the brain has to downregulate and deescalate itself for anything in the body to work efficiently. So ways to support your nervous system can look like deep breathing, relaxation, meditation, EFT, breath work, vagus nerve practices. There's a tremendous amount of ways to do it, which is why we give you lots of different opportunities to try different things, to see what works for you. You know, what I enjoy may not be what you enjoy. That's cool. Different strokes, different folks. So we want to make sure that we give you lots of access to different avenues to explore. But essentially, when the brain is more calm, it's more neuroplastic. It's more rewirable, So if the goal is to take the brain's attention away from negative, 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 you know, look at the baby, look at the baby, scan for the bad thing, scan for the bad thing all the time, then in order to do that, in order to change the brain, we have to calm the brain down so it can be more adaptable, so it can be more rewirable. Okay, so the amygdala, your fear center, remember, operates faster than your prefrontal cortex. Your prefrontal cortex is all about like higher level learning, high level thinking, impulse control, rational thinking, focus. And it takes like 200 milliseconds for the amygdala to compute based on our past memories because because remember it learns patterns. Whereas the prefrontal cortex takes like three to five seconds. So it's a bit more slower and it takes more time to make more of a judicious decision about what's happening. So when the amygdala is like on high alert and like looking and scanning for all the wrong things and finding them via symptoms, we begin to overgeneralize, overgeneralize fearful memories, which can lead to generalized anxiety about our symptoms, about our health. So we really need to do practices to get us more in that parasympathetic state so that we can calm the brain down. And when you're jacked up in a chronic fight or flight state, there's real brain changes that are happening with this chronic stress. So with these elevated stress hormones like cortisol and norepinephrine, it's changing the the hippocampus. It's like actually shrinking it down, which is the hippocampus is essential for learning and for memory. It's impacting the frontal lobe, which is like our CEO. It's our higher level thinking. It's our impulse control. It's rational thinking. So if stress is impacting these two things, it can be a lot harder to make good decisions. And on top of that, the amygdala, remember the fear center, operates way faster than the prefrontal cortex. And it will take milliseconds for the amygdala to sense a threat. Whereas it takes a few more seconds for the prefrontal cortex to kind of come online and make a more judicial decision. So the whole nervous system, brain... Immune symptom loops can really overwhelm the prefrontal cortex and it can use up the brain's resources. So we're not able to release enough feel good chemicals like serotonin and dopamine. And so this can leave us in this like perpetual overwhelm state. And so when we're trying to rewire the brain, we really need the prefrontal cortex to come online and tell uh, the body that it's not in danger. Again, it's that more judicial response. It's like, given all the information, let's pump the brakes, given all the information, do I need to freak out right now? And so brain retraining really does require that the prefrontal cortex come online. We have to cognitively understand what is happening so that we can make the conscious choice to pattern interrupt what is subconsciously happening. I talked about this concept in episode 222, creating sacred space for healing and transformation. I went on a whole riff why it's so important to understand our bodies and why with Your Hormone Revival why I spend so much time teaching you about your body. It's because of this. If like we can understand what's going on, it, it can, becomes easier to make the conscious choice to do what we need to do. And so pattern interruption becomes one of those things. And we can't forget our show sponsor. If you'd like to conquer sleep with Ned's dream set, Functional Nutrition Podcast listeners get 15% off with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H E L L O N E D. .com/funk to get 15% off. Thank you Ned for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. And I want to take a sec to shout out Organifi green juice because I've had my family drinking a lot of it lately. We recently had our well water tested and guess what? We found out that we have arsenic and uranium in our drinking water. Not crazy uncommon for New Hampshire, but still pretty gnarly. So I'm using Organify green juice as part of a detox support. It's got wheatgrass, moringa, spirulina, chlorella, matcha. All of these dense green powders can be extremely supportive here. The green juice also has a clinical dose of ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen that I love for stress reduction, relaxation, healthy immune system, healthy hormones. It comes in two flavors. Both taste great. We've got original, which is like a minty flavor, and then crisp apple. Also, Organifi powders are glyphosate residue free, which is a really big deal when you're buying any superfood powders, especially if you're doing it with the intention of helping you detoxify. So you can head to Organifi.com forward slash funk to save 20%. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash F-U-N-K to save yourself 20%. Back to the show. So we can use the prefrontal cortex as a way to re- restrain some of the unconscious brain patterns that are keeping us stuck in a loop. But again, in order to do that, we have to practice the tools that allow the brain to calm down. I'll say that again. We have to practice the tools that allow the brain to calm down. This stuff doesn't just happen on its own. It takes practice. And when we do this, we essentially build and increase our capacity so we can become more flexible, more adaptable. We build in more resourcing, more framework to increase the capacity to withstand challenges. So not everything is like a five alarm fire, right? We can kind of push or stretch the set point or the threshold for what triggers that stress cascade in the brain. And so this is a really, really, really big part. It's kind of calming down the nervous system is the most critical first step in, in all of this. And then we get into the retraining. Um, we have to set the stage to retrain through nervous system down regulation. And then we actually have to do the retraining. And so this is really what body intentions breakthrough is all about. Uh, my course is really dedicated to retraining the brain. I also do this in one-on-one sessions. And very exciting news, through my studies at Stanford, I am also currently creating a new framework that will be rolled out. My goal is before 2024, so sometime this year. But it, it's, again, we have to understand that the brain's just doing its job. The brain is wired to look out for what's wrong. It needs to look out for what's not working, what's dangerous. And so we have that predisposition of our brains to like fixate on the negative. Does anyone feel called out right now? I sure should do. But we need to practice and deliberately pay attention to and look for the goodness. We have to cultivate the recognition of goodness because the brain is not doing it on its own. Like we have to actually have to put some like intention behind it. We have to be willing to see things with fresh eyes. Um, that's what I like started the show with. Like, in order for me to heal, I had to be willing to look at my body with a new set of eyes, with like a new lens, with a new filter. I had to, and you have to practice seeing the good in your body, even if you think your body is against you. It is a practice, and we have to learn tools to pattern interrupt when we find ourselves fixating on the negative. So first we have to be aware of when we're fixating on the negative and then we have to pattern interrupt. Basically like telling your brain, you're in a loop, you gotta get out. So we have to train our brain away from the loop that it's getting stuck in. Again, I will remind you that the brain is like Velcro for negative experiences, but Teflon for positive one. And so we have to consciously tilt ourselves toward the positive. And this is not just positive thinking like Pollyanna, right? It's actively trying to create a new set point for how the brain perceives our bodies. It's often referred to as self-directed neuroplasticity. And I would even expand that to say self-directed bioplasticity. We can use our minds to change our brains, to change our bodies. I mean... This is the stuff that I, like, I, I, I live for this. It's so, it's so exciting to me. Um, and not just because I've seen tremendous results in my own body and in my client's body, but I think it's just, you know, it's just fascinating. These human bodies are so fascinating. Um, but again, it's something that we have to actively, like, opt into. We have to bring our attention and our intention to this. And if we bring attention and intention, Rick Hansen says that we can turbocharge new neural connections. But this takes time this this work takes time it is a practice just like with with anything else you do that you want to get stronger at you have to dedicate time to that and so i always like to be really honest about that and then the final aspect here is reengaging or engaging with elevated emotions elevated emotions is a term that i got from joe dispenza i believe that's the first place i heard it anyway and so this refers to things like joy gratitude elation Compassion, self compassion, compassion directed inward. And it's feeling into the feelings that you want to feel. Like if your goals came true, if your health goals came true, how would you feel? And can you feel those feelings now? This is actually a Joe Dispenza quote. If we can feel the feelings before the experience happens, we aren't looking for something we want because we feel like it's already happened. Now, here's the rub. Here's the rub with feeling joy. You might have a hard time experiencing it. And so I would would ask yourself that. Do you feel like you're somebody who has a hard time feeling or experiencing joy? And then the follow-up question I would have for you is, do you consider yourself to be hypervigilant? Because a lot of what we talked about today is a hypervigilant brain. Hypervigilance is like defense mode, right? We can be hypervigilant with our food, with our bodies, with our health, with our symptoms. In my experience working with clients, the people that are the most hypervigilant also struggle the most with feeling joy. And here's exactly why. When we're experiencing joy, we are open, we are receptive, we are expansive. When we're in hypervigilance, we're closed off. We're like bracing for impact. So going from this, being closed off, to this open and receptive and expansive might feel like too big of a leap for your nervous system. It might not actually feel safe. So what we can begin to do is attune to joy moment by moment. This becomes the practice. So an example here, I go out for a walk and I was seeing the sun kind of come through the trees and it was like that low afternoon light, you know, like the beautiful sunlight and it was coming through the trees and it was just like the way it was all happening was just like perfection, Mm -hmm. chef's kiss, perfection. So I stopped and I took a moment to feel the joy of the experience in my body. Like I am so lucky to be alive in this moment, to be able to receive this, to be able to witness this. In that moment, it was safe to do that. In that moment, it was safe to feel and experience joy inside my body. So I let myself receive that feeling. So if you're somebody who's like, well, it's all fine and great to say, I want to be more compassionate. and I want to feel more joy. I want to feel more compassion. How? How do I do that? It's this. It's these micro moments where we attune to joy. Uh, moment by moment. And it can allow us to stretch our capacity to feel and to hold joy. And in doing so, we are retraining the brain away from that hypervigilant state. So we let spend less time in that hypervigilant state. It becomes less of a default setting. And so that's one of the ways that we can actively change the brain away from where it wants to go and kind of pull it back to the positive. And so I think that that's been a lot. I'm going to leave you with that. These are all of the things that we will practice in Your Hormone Revival together. You have three months to do this. It's a three-month program. You also get hormone lab testing. You get blood work done. So we're looking at the physical body. You got a one-on-one appointment with Rachel. You get an individualized protocol. So we're kind of hitting you from both angles. We've got the physical body, but then we're going to talk a lot about this reprogramming the nervous system and the stress response so that you can move yourself away from this hypervigilant state. We also have weekly Sunday sessions. That is all about loving up on your nervous system. And a lot of people say that that's their favorite part of the whole program. So I hope that this was helpful. And I would love to see you in our final live round of Your Hormone Revival. And I will check you all next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.